0: Hey, Connell. Welcome, listeners. Hey, Hugh. Morning, listeners. And what about Gil, Connell? <laughs> Welcome, Gil. <laughs> it's not up to me to introduce Gil Have you not read the script. <laughs> my bad. Okay, Connell, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about business strategy. But, Hugh, why are we even here? What are we here to do? Well,
1: get distracted or get killed in your business. That's the theme for today's show. And we're going to share some of my experiences by getting distracted by shiny things.
0: Yep. perfect. And 2P1J as a podcast exists to inspire and educate business owners. So, hopefully that's going to carry through on the show as well.
1: Okay. And show number seven, 93 to go. So, our three-year goal is three years, 100 shows, expire it. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Yes, yes, yes. Inspiring and
0: educating one episode at a time. We need to repurpose the tally for our (laughs) (laughs) fuck-ups.
1: And... You know how much I love a role play, Connell.
0: A little bit of of role play in today's show. I found that out after today's show, absolutely. And also our listeners get to look forward to not only the role play, but a segment of Badz's Box, potentially. We're going to close the loop on some matters and then we're going to give our final thoughts and wrap up at the end. Sounds exciting. Let's Let's get get into into it. it. That was good we said that at the same time. Did you (laughs) hear that?
2: The Rapid Fire Review. Connell and Hugh take 30 seconds each to reflect.
1: I'm not going to need 30 seconds short and sharp this week, Connell. Simple. I I feel better when I'm exercising.
0: How do you mean by that? How does that actually relate? As well.
1: Well, I I had a little hiatus there where I wasn't exercising just due to injury. So I've been back at it for about three weeks and just just during my day. So I I run in the morning, I I think clearer, I feel better, I think I'm easy to be around. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. I just think it's one of it's just it's just one of those simple truths that that everybody knows. Like that's what I I put to our listeners, I put to the audience, like, Mm. you know, when you exercise in the morning or when you're exercising, do you feel better? Are you on fire? Yeah. So I just think it's a simple reminder for everybody. You know, Mm. doing the basics is important.
0: And do you think it's a bit of a way for you to decompress? Because everyone has different ways of kind of relaxing. And for you, you're a bit of a freak. (laughs) Batman relaxes in different ways to us
2: normals.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it just sets me up for a great day. Yeah. Yeah, it clears my mind, like that meditation. You know, like I I, I said in the mindset episode, that I don't meditate, but the running does that for me. And I think that was the review for our listeners is like, I felt that. as was like, gee, I feel much better when I'm mm. running in the morning because I'd had that break. Yep. And so the same to the listeners, like, you know, get back on the horse. Good. And yourself, mate, what are you telling them or thinking on, reflecting on? Yeah.
0: So after last week's episode, I really wanted to talk about not being afraid to challenge your beliefs and topically not being too firm on one strategy because we went into last episode with a clearly defined process that we thought was shit hot, but we still ran long.
1: Yeah, I suppose. What do you feel like the learning is there for, for everybody listening?
0: I think what it really is is that you can work really hard on creating a process that you think is going to be perfect or close to perfect or it's going to fit really well. But if evidence shows that that's not true, you can't be scared to go back and actually rework and do it again. You know, you have to be willing to put in the effort again. Not be discouraged when there's a challenge. That's kind of what what I've gone to learn from that.
1: Yeah, I agree. It, it reminds me of a couple of sort of cliche statements like that fail forward yeah. and we can't all be like bads and shit gold in, <laughs> in a space of two minutes, you know what I mean? So I think, um, yeah, like you were saying, the word rework, so expect the rework, you know? Yeah. And the other thing too, that, and you might may have heard me saying it like, saying that I love is like, you're going to come close to perfection after the eighth iteration. So we are on iteration two or three of the show, yeah. so rather than getting-
0: discouraged, we're like, we've got another five to go. Yeah, do better. And what it comes down to is Rome wasn't built in a day. So let's go build Rome. <laughs> let's get into the show, mate. Let's do it.
2: You're listening to Two Paths, One Journey with Hugh Reardon and Connell Faulkner.
1: Today, we're talking about business strategy. And as you know, entrepreneurs get distracted everywhere. And they see opportunity everywhere, you know. And and from my experience, I feel the grass is never greener, you
0: know. So, <laughs> very much like Elon Musk dropping the uh, forty-four bill on on Twitter. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So if
1: Elon can drop forty-four billion on Twitter, you know, I, I believe you've got to get clear or get killed. Yeah, and I've got my own experiences around that.
0: Mm. I was going to say, Mister Four Businesses Owner, you know, <laughs> you've got some experience in this realm. So what what happened to you? So. My core business was in ag and uh, we were growing fresh produce Mm -hmm.
1: and there was a lot of other tangential businesses that we got into that I believe that we shouldn't have got into. So, the first one was uh, Apunga, which was a farm management software and and we partnered with the software developer in that business and we shouldn't have done it.
0: Well, this is an interesting point for me because, again, I came into ag after the fact, so I was kind of just a higher corporate side, but my exposure to Apunga was that it was actually quite successful. So why do you think you shouldn't have invested in it?
1: Because it wasn't our core business, yeah. and it was a distraction. Yes, and that—that's the main thing around that. So we, we're an ag business, growing fresh produce. We're not a software as a service business. Yeah, and the same sort of thing, like getting distracted by shiny things, shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Another example was the freight
0: business. like As part of the business,
1: we had trucks, but we sort of doubled down on the trucks
0: and that was a mistake. I agree with you 100% that you were dumb on that one, but <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> I dealt with truckers more than enough in my lifetime.
1: <laughs> and trucks were essential part of the business, but we shouldn't have expanded that. So just yeah. getting clear on the focus and, and living through that and having those those moments is
0: is what we want to talk to our audience today about their business strategy and how to define their business strategy. So really what you're saying is that there can be supplementary services or, you know, I guess products that you could expand into, but if it's taking time away from your main business, is it worth it? That's what you have to consider.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Time, money, focus. Yeah. And oh. you know how much I love a
0: role play? <laughs> See, I'm going to bring up a point here. She's made a couple comments about me being the one in leather on Instagram, but I'm starting to think it's him.
1: (laughs) Uh, I've got this persona for the show. (laughs) So... Okay. So, okay. Mr. Connell, Mr. Superstar. Okay. 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 You ready? You ready for this? Yeah. Let's see. Okay, it. Okay. Okay. Connell, Connell Elon Faulkner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How do Found... you know my middle name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a good guess. Okay. So, so, you're founder and CEO of Technologies Inc., right? Yep. You, you, you've killed it. You've got a 90% market share in the US. Mm-hmm. Your company's worth $30 billion. Sounds okay. about right. A little bit low, but yep. Sounds okay. about right. <laughs> about $30 <billion. laughs> yeah. Good. Okay. The industry is changing but you've got it covered. There's some new technology coming along, but your team helped develop it. So you did the prototype. So so you've got it covered. Yeah, good. You're driving sports cars, you're dating supermodels.
0: Now we're talking about my Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: You're like the female or the male. Sorry, sorry. I'll start again. You're the male equivalent of of Kim Kardashian.
0: (laughs) You had to have a dig. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just just trying to build it up here for our listeners.
1: Okay, so- I'll hit you with this: in fourteen years, you go from thirty billion to bankrupt. Okay, and that's a true story. That's the Kodak story. What's the story about? Who is it actually about? So that's the Kodak story. Everybody would have, hopefully, depending our audience demographic, but the old, our older listeners, or would, and even you as a you know a young buck,
0: absolutely, disposable cameras loved them. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll leave that alone. (laughs)
1: So, so this is what happened to Kodak. So Kodak. They, they had a dominant position in the US market. They had 90% market share. Yeah. Okay. The crazy thing is a Kodak engineer developed the first digital camera.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay? While he was with Kodak? Yeah. Yeah. Kodak. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Years before it became a thing. Yeah. Okay. In 1997, Kodak was worth, before you were born? <laughs> uh, yes. Was worth $30 billion. Okay. So that's a legitimate valuation, a share market valuation. And yeah. then by 2011, they were out of business, filed for bankruptcy.
0: So, what happened? How did they get from $30 to bankrupt?
1: That's the theme of the show. That's what we're going to talk about, Mm. getting clear, like my little escapades into software as a service (laughs) and transport. That didn't kill our business, but you need to get clear or get focused. And Mm. so, I believe Kodak dropped
0: the ball. What were the main drivers of that failure?
1: Well, first of all, like diversification. So, they, they they went into non-core businesses. So, Kodak was in pharmaceuticals and
0: chemicals. Yes. So, similar to you in ag, spreading out to freight and other things and exactly. software. Exactly. Yeah.
1: They also didn't have the right framework to recognize the threat of the digital technology. So, mm. it just absolutely railroaded them. Yeah. So, they misjudged that. Yeah. And that, that was the whole infrastructure. Like, it was digital, online sharing, mobile, and, and just the way people consumed consumed the the, the media.
0: So, just to be clear… Kodak engineers developed the first digital camera and then they didn't pursue it. They didn't actually. away yeah, yeah. <laughs> <all> Elon Faulkner's <laughs> dropping the ball. <laughs> Too busy with sports cars and supermodels, mate.
1: Yeah. And that's the premise of the show. Like if a $30 billion company at the peak of its powers can disappear in 14 short years because it didn't keep its eye on the ball, it didn't have a clear focus, then, then what about your
0: business? Mm. So we've heard the story of Kodak. And we both know someone who's got some pretty strong opinions that might be able to comment a thing or two about this, and it's BADS. We typically hear him a bit later in the show, but what's happening this week, Hugh? Yeah, we're moving him up in the show order.
1: So, we're looking forward to that, trying to leverage some of his insights throughout the show. Bad's gonna be happy. He's got the primetime spot this week. So <laughs> moving forward as well. And that's it. Like he he's got a lot of good insights. So to, to make the show a bit more punchier, bring his segment up.
0: And we get to actually incorporate what he says then into the show as well. So hopefully that should make it a bit more interesting. You know, you don't just hear his opinion and then it's gone and dusted. But there's a but. <laughs> there's a but. Bad's isn't here this week. What's he doing? Solo trek across the Sahara. Yep. And he got waylaid. Actually, I saw this. Uh, it was because he discovered a new species of dinosaur, wasn't yeah, that's it? that's right.
1: Solo Trek discovered a new species of dinosaur. He fashioned a mobile phone out of his backpack. He rang the, the National Museum of Libya. Yeah. So, he's doing the handover now of the
0: dinosaur. So, he's yeah. just, just too late to make back to the show. Being the finder, he gets to actually name the new species. Do you know what he's calling yeah, it? Yeah, yeah.
1: He's naming them after his daughters, Like, So, he's great dad as well. Like, hard Jeez. to compete with that. Yeah. But- He's a man of miracles. So I'm going to have a shout out, an SOS to Bats. Like if you want to put a video together and and comment on the show, let's see what happens.
0: Maybe you can make a two-way video camera out of his shoes. (laughs) Potentially, (laughs) potentially. (laughs) We'll see, he'll MacGyver it. Who who knows? Who knows, probably pull apart (laughs) apart the flight console on the side of his chair. (laughs) Let's get into it. How do we not become a Kodak?
2: Ryan steps onto Bats' box with his unfiltered opinion. Quick wit and sharp insight.
3: Right, oh listeners, well, the time has finally come. Badz's box has uh been promoted to the status that it deserves. And um but unfortunately, you know, the boys they tried to do a bit of the show by by themselves without me and and just hasn't worked. So I've been um helicoptered back into uh back in from our bush to to provide you with the knowledge that we all know is required. And and we're talking today about um about distraction and finding your niche um and getting clear on where you're headed so one of the best things about being self-employed is doing whatever you want and and that's a, that's a clear fact but it's also one of the the most difficult things to deal with because as soon as you step out of that structure of a uh, employment uh and the, the rigor of that commercial environment you start getting uh, distracted by by shiny things so it's uh you know, it's a known fact the shiny object syndrome and it gets talked about often so it's a it's a real real challenge for everyone now people say the grass is never greener on the other side of the fence. That's actually a lie, but factually incorrect. The grass is often greener on the other side of the fence, only because on the other side of the fence, it gets more water and more fertiliser. So in theory, you look over the fence, you see that those people have given more attention to their grass, or in this case, their business, their niche, their client, and that's why their grass is greener. So the saying "the grass is never greener" is actually factually incorrect. It's just the methodology behind it. You have a look at Elon Musk dropping, you know, all his coin on Twitter. It's been a, an absolute disaster. Just distracted, not his core business. So, sticking to your knitting, finding your niche, replicating the reason that people get good at things is because they do them over and over again. So, when you're able to market to your specific client, you you attract more of those clients through the attention that it generates and you're able to be really specific on your marketing and your attraction techniques because you know exactly what you're looking for and then when you find that client you've done it over and over again and you're really really good at it so you're, you know what their problems are you're able to solve for them quickly you're able to be efficient in, in your delivery of your product or service and it just helps you provide better client outcomes those clients refer more people like them, which are more of your client. And you, it just perpetuates itself and snowballs and on and on it goes. So getting clear on, on who your client is or who your, uh, what your service is that you're providing is critical to success in business. So it's a really important thing the, to, to be discussed around making sure you're, uh, you're on top of uh, everything that's going on in. Your niche and in your world, become a subject matter expert, a subject matter expert even, and uh, you know things will just level out for you and become become allow you the business to become what what you seek it to be. Uh, so, look in closing. Badges box today. We all knew the show was on a little bit of shaky ground, so it's inevitable that we've been bumped up the order in in things with the show. And and as the, the saying goes, the cream always rises to the top. Thanks, boys. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in person next week.
2: You're listening to Two Paths, One Journey.
0: Okay, Hugh. So, we've talked about this a couple of times already and throughout the whole podcast series so far. But a huge thing for entrepreneurs is focus. So, as a business owner, we define what we do. So how do you keep focus? How do you keep on track when you're kind of moving through that?
1: Today, we're going to throw to one of my favorite business authors, Jim Collins. He gets a pretty big run from me if anybody <laughs> listens to me. And he's, he's got what's called the hedgehog strategy. And it's based off a, a parable that the hedgehog and the fox.
0: I haven't heard of it.
1: What right. is it? Okay. So this is the parable of the hedgehog and the fox. Uh-huh. The, the fox is cunning and adaptable. Mm-hmm. It's got many different tricks up its sleeve where the hedgehog, on the other hand, it's a simple, unassuming creature, and it's got one strategy. When it's under pressure, it just rolls up into a spiky ball to protect itself from predators. So, that's the core of the hedgehog strategy. So, Jim Collins' hedgehog strategy, it's named after the hedgehog, and, and that's what it's, it's about. Defining a single-minded focus for your business. Do
0: that well, and you'll succeed. Okay. Listening to that parable. So, the fox is a cunning and adaptable creature. The hedgehog just does one thing well. Just hearing that alone, you'd think you'd want to be the fox, don't you? The yeah, well, ring.
1: that's it. I had the same. I had
0: the same thing when I first
1: heard the story. I was like, yeah, I want to be the fox.
0: Exactly. So I guess thinking about it, it's kind of like that the hare and the tortoise story. You know, like they're both in a running race, and the hare's very quick, but they're overconfident, and that causes them to lose to the consistent and focused tortoise. Is that? kind of the same thing?
1: Yes, to throw another metaphor in there. I think that's <laughs> I think that's really good, but yeah. I think
0: you actually want to be the,
1: you still want to be the hare, you just want to be running like the tortoise. Yeah, from, yes. Straight from start to finish and not yeah. get
0: distracted. Okay. So, really the hedgehog strategy is that, sorry, I feel like I've murdered that already. It is the hedgehog strategy. So, <laughs> that affords you focus if you get it right. So, how do you actually define what your strategy is using the hedgehog? Strategy? So, there's three steps
1: in the hedgehog strategy. Mm-hmm. And we're going to run through each of those three steps and try and unpack it
0: for the audience. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So, step
1: one. first step is, what can you be the best in the world
0: at? So, kind of defining your niche. Yep. And niche, for anyone that doesn't know, it's just kind of your clearly defined market segment that you attack.
1: That's exactly right. And we're just trying to get the language from Jim Collins and what you can be the best in the world at, but what's your niche? It's like yep. where your business
0: is focused at.
1: Yep. Okay? Yep. The second part is what drives your economic engine.
0: Is like, how do you make money? <laughs> okay. Yes. So, economic engine, completely foreign concept for me. Let's just run through what that actually means.
1: Profit per X. So, how do you make money? That's how Jim defines it. It's profit per X. And, and we've got a few examples.
0: I think one example we did talk about was your profit per customer visit, like McDonald's. So, they offer a wide range of products at competitive prices, thus encouraging higher spending. I've read that a bit off the script, but the great point from that is, do you want fries with that? that's their tagline. That's how they make their money.
1: So, they know that they've got to make profit per customer, yep. profit per X, their X is their customer, and yep. that's why it's the upsell. Yes. You know? Do you want fries with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Another example, which I think the audience can easily understand, is is the airlines. Like, So, it's profit per passenger or profit per passenger mile is a good example.
0: Yes. And when we were talking about this, we actually came across a pretty interesting story about airlines and ways in which they could increase their operational efficiency to reduce their costs. So, I heard about this a few years back, but American Airlines in the 1980s removed one olive from their salads and they cut finer lime slices, so from 10 slices per lime to 16, and that saved them over $1.7 million per annum in today's currency.
1: And I think that's a great example. Well, I don't
0: think it is a great example (laughs) because
1: once you understand your profit per X, then you can- link your activities to your profitability.
0: Yes. So your economic engine, it's what's driving your profitability.
1: So we've got two things now. So your niche, what can you be best at the world at? Yep. How do you make money? And then the third thing, which we've spoken about, is your, your purpose or what you're deeply passionate about.
0: Yes. Yes. The man with many names, purpose, mission, values, goals. <laughs> yes. And, we're, and yeah.
1: for consistency, we're going to use purpose. Yeah.
0: Purpose. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: And as you know, like that was one something that I struggled with, getting clear on the purpose. Mm-hmm. So- we're going to bring all of those three things together and mm. we'll share some of my experiences. So, Absolutely. Let's talk more about
0: your struggles because <laughs> it's nice to kick you a bit when you're down.
1: <laughs> we're working on a time show this time. So, if you want to hear about my struggles, we don't have time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay me by the hour for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but but let's talk about it. So, you were in Ag and obviously, this is something that would have come up for you at some point. So, what were your thinking? How did you move through this when you were there? Okay. So, let's define our niche. What can we be best in
1: the world at. Yeah. And as, as I said, like we had a few ups and downs and once we got clearly clear on our niche, I found that super valuable. Mm. So I'll give you the example. So we're in horticulture growing yeah. fresh cut salads, which is spinach and wild rockets. So that's, that's where I spent most of my career, 17, 18 years in that business. Yeah. And if anybody knows the, the salad industry, you'll get some food scares related because salads aren't usually washed before eaten. They they are at the plant, but at the home, people just open the bag and eat them. Yeah, And that can lead to pathogens. And I suppose every five to 10 years, you get a bit of a food scare, mm-hmm. which happened to us, wasn't our product yep. and the industry had a bit of a food scare
0: how did that affect you as a business? I mean, I know that it wasn't you, but.
1: Yeah. How did that affect the business? Well, that, that's exactly right. So we we got a bit of a reality check around it. it massive impact on sales, like sales were down uh, 70, 80% for for maybe three or four months. So we looked at our business and we're like, we're in horticulture. We've got, we've already spoken about the trucks, had <laughs> <running> trucks, <laughs> we've got tractors, we've got cold rooms, we've got farming land, it's like we, we've we got the the marketing, Mm-hmm. you know, partners. So we can do whatever we want in horticulture. And we bloody did. To, to, <laughs> to our, uh, we, we tried to grow broccolini. We tried to grow cabbages. We tried to grow cauliflower. We tried to grow wombok <laughs> yeah. We tried
0: to grow broccoli and it was a disaster. It sounds like you've got the perfect Recipe, right? You've got everything you need. You've got the infrastructure. You've got the equipment. You've got everything you need to do it. Why didn't it work?
1: That's exactly the thing. Each of those little segments had their own nuances. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we're in the business of putting seeds in the ground. Mm-hmm. A lot of those products use a seedling, like you see in in the bunnings. You know, little seed goes in the ground. So it's a yeah. different process. We're in the business of using mechanized harvesting labor. We had mm-hmm. machines doing our harvested A lot of those products they actually used hand labor. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, a whole ranges of things like the markets, broccoli, big overseas market. We we sold stuff overseas, but it wasn't our expertise. Yeah, Broccoli and broccolini used ice. So there was all of these things that, added complications. So, on the surface, they weren't within our niche. They We couldn't be the best in the world at those things.
0: So, you had lost focus on your niche and then that's kind of where you'd started to see the decline because you just didn't have your business correctly set up to target those markets.
1: And that's it. So, this this is different to the, the software as a service and the freight where they're clearly outside our scope. Mm. Now, we're, we're, we're getting to a point where On the, you know, thousand foot view, this looks like it should be part of our business. Mm. So, we went and defined our niche.
0: What'd you end up with?
1: So, it came being like something that could be direct seeded machine harvest with a large totable addressable market. Yes. As soon as we defined that, we were in a space that we could be the best in the world at. And truly believe that, still believe that to the day.
0: Perfect. So, we've got point one covered. You've defined your niche. So, let's move to step two then. You're trying to figure out your economic driver. How did that go? Was that easy? Uh, it's always easy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're always easy, <laughs> Batman.
1: <laughs> it it was it's complicated, like. So we were putting this in in place overlapping an existing business. So the first 2 or 3 times we didn't get it right. It took quite a few iterations.
0: Yes. So where did you start? And how did it end up? And why did it take those iterations?
1: Well, I think where we started, where we initially got it wrong, rather than a profit driver, we started with cost driver because labor is a big thing. So we were linking it to labor. So we actually interpreted wrong and rolled it out. So we ended up with a cost driver rather than a profit driver. So it took those iterations.
0: So that would be like the airlines we spoke about earlier, measuring profit per fuel cost, which can be an important KPI, don't get me wrong. But instead, they should have been focusing on its profit per passenger mile. So, you know, looking at the profitable metric, not the cost-driven metric.
1: Yeah. Like you said, we ended up with some great KPIs that were that were critical for the business. But in the concept of getting clear on what you can be best in the world in, how you make money and your purpose, the same thing,
0: like it's not quite the same. So, you weren't clear on your purpose, that hurt. But we've kind of put that together now and we've looked at how you could have been different. And you. Obviously reviewed that in the time as well, but let's take it back to Kodak. What could they have done differently? It's
1: easy for us to sit here, a whole nine years later, and, and debunk, but that's our privilege yeah. and, <laughs> and our rights. Yeah. So let's try and see what you know. Super super brains, uh, <laughs> Colin Elon <laughs> Faulkner, you know.
0: Connell and Elon Faulkner, my brother.
1: <laughs> yeah, Colin Elon. Yeah. Um, you know, super brain. Let, let's try and unpack the Kodak story and see whether it would have
0: made any difference to them. Well, let's apply the hedgehog strategy. So, what were they? Were they the hedgehog or were they the fox? Well, I don't think they knew who they were. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's probably their problem: is that they hadn't defined their niche. Is that what you think? Or yeah. to answer your question, I think they were, the, they were the mole. They just stuck their head
1: in the ground. <laughs> you know, or the
3: ostrich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay.
1: So, well, let's let's try and unpack some hypothetical. Mm-hmm. You know, let's define the niche for. Kodak and, and, you know, outline a few facts. So they just got disrupted by the digital technology. Yep. Absolutely. And it railroaded them. It sent, said them broke. Okay. So to go through the steps of the hedgehog, yep. purpose, profit drivers, and your niche. Yep.
0: And as you said, quite rightly, what do you think could have been a good niche? You've done a bit of research into this and I'm going to put you a bit on the spot. So we'll see how you go. Do you know what their original purpose was? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah what their purpose was, but I don't think it matters.
1: It's okay. for clarity. Let's let's just go, let's talk niche. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and again, this is the this is the difficulty. Like you and I have spoken about this and we've spoken about Kodak and we've got our notes and it's still just to get clarity. So yes. for a niche, I, I was I can remember as a eight year old, you know, going into the pharmacy with my mum to get Kodak images printed. So <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolute visual, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolute. So the same sort of thing. So they're in imaging technology. They would do the mm-hmm. prints, you know what I mean? They could have been best at the world in digital imaging. You know, they had disposable yeah. cameras, as you said. Yeah. All of that stuff. They had the printing machines. They had this massive brand. Okay. So let's say their niche is um, they could have leveraged their expertise in imaging technology and focused on becoming the best at the world at providing end-to-end image solutions. Yeah. So, that end-to-end image solutions. Yes. And I, I don't think that's a stretch.
0: No, fair. So, using that niche, let's go into their purpose then and let's see what their purpose should have been just to, again, hypothetically come up with it. I think
1: this is where they went wrong, but if their purpose- and of research purpose, because it's not something that I've been great at. And yeah. <laughs> I, but I think to have a broad, you know, something that's going to last 100 years, we said mm. in the other show, something that's broad enough that captures, you know, what you're trying to do as a business. And I think from from Kodak's point of view, previously I surmised that their their purpose wasn't going to last 100 years. So mm. hypothetically, I, I'd say like if their purpose was to use imaging technology to preserve life's moments, yeah. do you know, like, like that. That's very broad. That lasts 100 years. You know, yes. like, and it overlaps. So yeah. we're starting to build that out.
0: So that gives them the space to diversify while still being online with their purpose. That's yeah. how you feel. That, that's what I think so. All right. So we've covered that. So let's look at their profit. Profit, if they, per, profit per X. Profit, profit per pro, X. Profit driver. Their economic entity. Yeah, the, yes. Yep. So really by identifying the most impactful economic driver, whatever it may have been for them, whether it was profit per image or profit per printing solution, Kodak could have optimized their resources and their efforts to generate a sustained cash flow and profitability in the digital era.
1: And I think that's it. So now we're starting to build this out. So they are the best in the world at digital technology. Mm -hmm. They believe in and their purpose for their business is preserving life's moments using imaging, you know? Mm -hmm. And then if they understand their drivers, like whether it's a, as you said, like profit per image Mm -hmm. or profit per printing solution, as soon as that economic driver started to diminish, they would have seen the disruption coming, you know? So, yep. so it didn't transform overnight. It transformed quickly, but but in the space of a $30 billion company, like 10 years is overnight. Yes. So yep. I believe there was enough time if they'd clearly defined the hedgehog that they
0: could have adapted. Let's expand on that though. So if they had a clearly defined hedgehog, what do you think would have been different? How would you surmise it? Well, they've got the money to retarget the resources, yep. but
1: if they had their profit driver clearly focused, mm-hmm. they would have said, we're not making money where we used to. Yep. So that's clear as day. The second thing is if they've redefined their purpose in a different way, switching the business into a more digital end-to-end solution makes sense. Okay. And if they're there to be the best in the world in imaging technology, well, it doesn't matter the medium. It doesn't matter whether it's digital, mobile, or what have you.
0: So just to kind of put it in a few words, a clearly defined hedgehog strategy could have given them adaptability and resilience in the disruptive yeah. market.
1: I think so. Well, who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, hypothetically. And well,
1: Kodak's a bit of a stretch. Like, if there are any $30 billion <laughs> businesses listening to us, well, well let us know. But <laughs> but I think the, the narrative and the story is like, if if they can get railroaded, you know, like the our listeners and their businesses, well, they need to know what's the benefits of getting it right. Yeah. So we sort of summarised all the key key take homes. What we think of get, getting your strategy right, mm-hmm. and you've heard my experience of that even though we we didn't get the purpose right, as soon as we understood our niche, made a massive impact. As soon as we understood our profit drivers, made a massive impact. Took a few iterations, mm-hmm. a bit like the rapid fire review. You know, what yeah. I mean? to, to take the iterations, get you know. So and then getting clear on the purpose. That's where we started the show, to inspire and educate. So that's driving everything.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the uh, benefits of getting it right in a bit more detail then. So I think the first thing that's immediately apparent is it gives a company direction. It gives you focus on what to kind of prioritize. It tells you where you should be focusing your resources on, and it really makes that easy for you.
1: Yep. And reiterating my story, like when, when in previous business, getting clear on the niche. Direct seeded, machine harvest, total addressable market. Straight away, everybody, when they came with an idea, oh, let's grow carrots. <laughs> well, carrots actually fit that bag. Yes, <laughs> so, so so yes, so we go. Yes, carrots is an option. Yes. It's a it fits. But if they're going to say let's grow celery, it's like well, it's not direct seeded. It's not machine harvested. Yes, it's got a big market. So so we go. Okay, so we can now we're exploring ideas around that. Yeah. So so that that was the next thing, and as I said, it gave me massive. Lift up for us. The next thing that I go to is prioritisation.
0: So by focusing on what the company's passionate about, and what it can be best at, and what drives its economic engine, you can really then tell where the resources need to be allocated. You know what's the most impactful.
1: Yeah, and there was a little story that uh, that resonated with me when we we're putting this together. H- have you heard um, the Warren Buffett story about the twenty five priorities? No. I haven't. Okay. So I haven't. Uh, so Warren Buffett, this is common advice that he gives. So he's like, write down your top twenty five priorities, right? And then of that 25, create two lists, list A and list B. On list A, write your top five. On list B, write the next 20. Okay? Yeah. So you've got two lists. List A with your top five, list B with your next 20. Okay, throw list B in the bin. <laughs> That's So th- this is, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just a tool for giving you focus and this is what yeah. this hedgehog strategy does. Yeah. It's aligning those three things and saying,
0: this is where we operate. Yeah, and- the benefit from those points alone is that you then get increased efficiency. If you're not wasting time with those 20 that don't really matter, you're kind of, again, focusing on the ones that are most impactful, developing your core competencies and improving in the parts that do matter. Yeah. You're not buying trucks. You're not building software as a service companies. <laughs> Hugh, I promise you I'll never buy a truck. <laughs>
1: okay. Not like Kodak who's out there buying pharmaceuticals and chemicals yeah. company, you know, yeah. so you, you know what you, you're you're going to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then we've talked a bit about it already, but you get adaptability. You know, when market disruptors come, you have the agility to kind of move and be, I guess, ever-changing in that space.
1: Yeah, and I think that was the point we're trying to make with Kodak. Mm-hmm. Okay, they if they knew their profit drivers, they may have seen the disruption coming, you yeah. know, because they had a clear link between what was making them money. Mm-hmm. And they also, with that market capitalization, I'm sure they would have had the time. I just didn't think they saw it coming and they weren't... in had
0: the right structure to handle it. You said, you said too big to fail. And I'm sure that's probably what they thought as well. But then let's look at it from a cultural perspective as well. If you're getting all of this right, it's going to have a positive impact on your employee motivation and engagement in the company. Because if you're doing well and you're focusing on what matters, they're going to be aligned with what you're trying to do. So that has to be a pretty positive thing for a company.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure. And I, hopefully people now who have listened to Show 5 on a people and getting people are starting to see the linkages in this ecosystem of the business environment. But the same way that you started shooting out examples around, oh, we should grow carrots, we should grow celery. Like as a leader, if you're clearly defined, you can say, no, that's not quite right because of this or vice versa. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you, you've got these tools to, to motivate and engage your people. And if they do try and fail, you've got framework to say, no, no, it's not quite like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's an excellent tool.
0: All right, Hugh, let's put it all together. You've done all of this, you've gotten it all right. What do you get?
1: I've got a big term, sustainable competitive
0: advantage. Like,
1: it's that's, <laughs> yep. It's, yep. That, it's that simple, like it's just a fancy way of saying like something your business can do better than the competition consistently.
0: You get yeah. SCAR. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get what? Sorry, I am it. You get SCAR. <laughs> SCA, Sustainable Competitive Advantage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Acronym King is back. (laughs) He took it back. That that wasn't even
1: acronym Prince. That was terrible.
0: That was horrible. (laughs) Gil, cut that, please. (laughs) I'm moving on here. Okay. okay. So, you've put it well, though. You've put it well. We don't know what would have happened. We're making assumptions here. But what do the listeners think? You know, would a hedgehog strategy have saved Kodak? How would it have impacted them? Is it something you think you might use in your own business? How's it going to affect yours if you did?
1: Yeah, more importantly, that's that's where I, well, I want the listeners to be thinking is like how can they use it in their business? Mm. What is their profit driver? How do they make money? Yeah. What exactly are they doing? What's their niche? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Why are they in business? What's their passion? Like, Get all of those things, put them together. You'll be shit hot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and let us know. Let us
1: know if it does. Right our mate. Let's close the loop.
2: Closing the loop. Any topics that needed further thought, we come back and close the loop.
1: Closing the loop, Connell. We've nearly got a Connell's closing the loop because we've got <laughs> lots of listener feedback around some of the things that we didn't talk about or explain properly in the show. So first thing, mate, we didn't actually tell them why we thought the truck driver was a drug dealer.
0: Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take lead on this one because I, I thought I'd made it quite clear. I was never actually convinced that he was a drug, de- a, drug de- a, uh, <laughs> uh, a drug dealer, yes, a truck
1: dealer. Allegedly, allegedly,
0: allegedly. I will admit, though, he did make some numerous unaccounted for stops in suspect areas, and I think that's really why we thought it. I mean, that's kind of this the vibe I got.
1: Well, that was that was the vibe. Like these uncalled for, unplanned stops, completely yeah. off route. You yeah. know, a uh, trip that should have taken fifteen hours took. 30 or something crazy like that. So that's why we thought it's like he just went, Bad shit crazy.
0: Yeah. We didn't find any light bulbs in the cabin or anything like that though. So <laughs> Too,
1: too <laughs> much information. <laughs> and the s- second bit of feedback that that we were asked that we didn't explain well enough in, in the rapid fire review, you, you said why you shouldn't wear white.
0: Yeah, that's right. I, I did mention that in a recent rapid fire review. And as you can see, I'm clearly still listening to my own advice, but I didn't explain it. So uh, I'm not wearing white because as keen and eagle-eyed viewers might be able to tell in our video form content, which you can find on our social medias and eventually on YouTube, my white shirts would blend in too much with the background. It would create a bit of a clash.
1: And I've had three separate lady listeners, <laughs> three, refer to you as adorable. So... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so Couple of things. Yeah, we need to get you looking your best. So, absolutely, <laughs> I'm a, I'm on the not wearing white. The second thing was I was wrong in a show where I was saying like sex sells. I
0: need to get a better looking at yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I wait until I whip out the leather jacket. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we've been really conscious of episode length, Connell. Yes, and hopefully this show packed full of value for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I'm very confident.
0: Yes, yeah, we actually this is a great time to do it. But we're like the Power Rangers. We've got little little stopwatches. You got a pack of four for twenty bucks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a thumbnail if I've ever seen <laughs> one. <laughs> um, yes, so we are. We're being more conscious of episode length. We're putting time limits on ourselves, and I think this is our first episode doing it. And I think yeah. it definitely comes through. I wasn't talking in the mic. <laughs>
1: okay. And finally, um, our listeners like we're, we've got the Harrison Assessment or five hundred dollars up for grabs to get your. Fi- for your feedback on the show. Best feedback wins, as judged by me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we want to hear what you think. How do we make it better? Any subjects you want us to talk about? Because we'll go to work and hopefully deliver you some value.
0: I've sent about 50 emails now, just waiting to hear back, hoping I'm the lucky number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When,
1: when you actually send a fraudulent email, change your first name.
0: You know. I thought Connell Elon Faulkner would do well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. At hotmail.com. That's all, right. all right, you, let's get some final thoughts from today's show. Before we do, what do our listeners have to look forward to in the upcoming shows?
1: Action-packed. Show
0: on process. <laughs> we will make process exciting. And look forward to it because producer Gill makes a guest appearance. Yes.
1: Yes. I'm looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> he's just giving us the, the, the look of either distress or, or knowing. Yeah, he's gonna be on the hot seat, I think you can yeah. tell, <laughs> getting grilled.
1: And and back to the giveaway and getting mm. the feedback so that people jump on socials, yep. WW2PJ com. <laughs> what
0: was that? <laughs> 2pj?
1: 2p1j.com and info at 2p1j.com and yep. any of the socials.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's wrap it up, Hugh. Take us away.
1: Okay. So, this is the key like, entrepreneurs get distracted. They're shiny things, whether you're Elon Musk dropping $44 billion on Twitter. So, you need to get clear or you'll get killed. Mm. And that was my experience starting these other bullshit businesses the grass wasn't greener mm. and as soon as we got clear in my own business previously made a massive difference and we didn't get it all right but taking those steps so this is what you need to know you need to know what business you're in mm. what's your niche what can you be better at the best in the world at and how does that business make money what are your profit drivers yeah Do you know and then the final thing is is why are you in business what's your purpose and as mm. i said never got clear on that but defining the other two gave us a kickstart in the right direction.
0: Yeah. So, imagine for me, if you will, Hugh, you came up against a competitor in business. They're doing something you're passionate about. They have the ability to be world-class at it and they know what makes money for this type of business.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a a formidable conversation, but that's what I put back to the listeners. Why can't that be their business? Why can't that be them? Why can't they be the competitor?
0: Exactly right. Get clear on your hedgehog, become your own competition, be better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Thank you again. Thanks, listeners, for the having – I'll start that again.
0: Oh, I could nearly uh, (laughs) – a
1: show without a stumble, but the trademark stumble comes in. We're falling apart, Uh, you. I fell over at the finish line. So, thanks, listeners. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, Producer Gil. Keen to see you next week. Yeah, thank you, Gil. And next week we're talking process, so stay tuned or next show. Perfect. See you then. See you then.
2: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Two Paths, One Journey. Thank you for tuning in and supporting the show. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you really love today's show, please leave us a five-star review. It helps other people discover the show and grow our community. We also want to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can reach us at 2p1j.com or send us an email at info at 2p1j.com. We read every message and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening to 2P1J. We'll see you next time.